Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 8, verse 16. Romans 8. Primarily be looking at verses 17 and 18, but let's, let's read verse 16 and see the passage in its context. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit <clears throat> that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We come to a passage this morning that has been bringing us to a place of viewing our salvation, viewing our security in our salvation, the sonship that we have as, as Christians, as believers, the the knowledge that God has saved us, not only has he saved us, but he has adopted us into his family, that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And from there he says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Why would he say that? We, we see that he tells us that we're children then he goes straight from there to say, if children, then, then heirs. These words were written to be an incredible encouragement to us this morning. Not only are we children, but we are heirs. We are heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. He's pointing us to our inheritance not only are you children, but you have an inheritance. We see in the scripture, it tells us that we have an inheritance that's incorruptible. It's undefiled. It doesn't fade away. It's reserved in heaven for us. It's kept by the very power of God, this inheritance that we have. And we see in scripture frequently that the Apostle Paul is speaking to a church that he knows is going to experience suffering. He knows that they are either experiencing it or they will be experiencing it. Christianity is, is not a religion that says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and then every bit of suffering will, will go away. We, we are told over and over again that we will have suffering, that we will be persecuted. You hear the Apostle Paul t- talk about it on, on numerous occasions, but he points us frequently to our inheritance. You see in 2 Corinthians where he tells us we're, we're hard-pressed on every side. We're hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. And for, for us, we can look at our lives and say, I understand why the Holy Spirit would write that. Um, There's times in our lives that are just filled with with joy and and happiness and things seem to be going well. 
And then there's times in our lives where they, there's these turns in which there's great sorrow, um, disease, loss of loved ones, um, knowing our congregation well, as far as, as we grow, it becomes harder, but there is a desire from your pastors and elders to know you. Like we, we see and we have known just incredible pain that so many people here have gone through. And, and that, that realization that we're hard-pressed on every side. There's times in our lives where it just seems like the walls are coming in. And you know what I'm talking about, where you just feel like there's like this, this weight that's upon you. And he goes on in, in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, where he says, but we don't lose heart. Even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We're hard-pressed on every side, but we don't lose heart because this affliction, this light affliction is but for a moment. It it can't be compared to what is going to follow. There's a light affliction that comes upon us, but it's but for a moment, and it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. As a soccer player, would go to tournaments, and one of the first things that I would do would go to the the trophy table. I just wanted to see what, what we were fighting for. And, and I remember just looking at the, the trophies, seeing, seeing what they looked like. Were we going to get medals or were we going to get trophies? I remember being in a tournament called the Harlem Cup in Amsterdam, Holland, and, and looked at the table. I, I could picture it in my mind. I, the first place trophy was like three and a half feet high. It's a huge cup. And I remember just... Man, it was just huge. There was dozens and dozens and dozens of teams in this tournament, and I'm looking at this, and I'm just like, what would it be like to get that? And then you look at the second-place trophy, and it's like this high. <laughs> we got the second-place trophy, but it's not the point. Like, I still have it. I'd look at it though. What's it like? And, and as a as a player, I, w- I would I would just extinguish everything that I had to win the game. It didn't matter. It didn't matter how much it hurt. It didn't matter what what happened to me physically. Like I, how tired I was. It was just whatever it took to to get that. You, you think of. Kevin Ware, who plays for Louisville, if anybody saw that injury last week, it was like, ooh, it's a bad one. And, and he's there, 
with a broken leg on the sideline, and he's just, all he's saying is, just win, just win the game. Don't worry about me, just, just win the game. And yet, I think of the, the trophies, like things that my body still hurts from. And they're in my parents' attic. <laughs> they just sit up there. Like dozens of them, they just sit there. I'm laughing when I say dozens of them, Nikki. <laughs> Both of yours can be in your parents' attic, too. No, I'm just kidding. Um, she plays for El Toro. I coach Tribuco. There's a little rivalry going on here. But they just sit there. And, and, and you, think, you think about it, and, and there's an inheritance that God keeps telling us about. He tells us about it for a reason. He tells us about it because he knows that we are going to be hard-pressed on every side. He knows that, that we are going to have this affliction, and he tells us it's just a light affliction, and it'll be but for a moment. And when you get to, when you get to eternity, we'll realize how much more that our light afflictions that are taking place right now are are just but for a moment in comparison to the eternal weight of, of glory. I was listening to a sermon this week, and there was an illustration that was given about John Newton. John Newton was saying there, suppose a, a man was going to New York to take possession of a large estate. He's, he's inherited a large estate. And his carriage should break down a mile before he got to the city, which obliged him to walk the rest of the way. What a fool we should think him if we saw him wringing his hands and blubbering out all the remaining mile, saying, my carriage is broken my carriage is broken. Well, what a fool we would think him to be if, if you inherited $100 million and you had to drive from here to Los Angeles to get it. And you... You get a mile away and your car breaks down. But you only got a mile to walk. And then you get to have your $100 million estate. It would be crazy to, to be walking that last mile towards the $100 million saying, my car, my car broke down. My car broke down. And yet we, we, we at this time are in a place where many of you may feel like my, my carriage is broken. It's just broken. My carriage is broken. Not realizing that there is this estate that is for you and he's gone to prepare, prepare a place for you. And if it were not so, he would have told you. But he's gone to prepare a place for you. And although your, your carriage may be broken, 
right now, there is an inheritance that is a mile away. That is such that it's more than we could ever comprehend. It makes makes the hundred million seem like, like nothing in comparison to the glory that the glory that is in store for us we, we we see saints that have gone before us that have thought this way they they keep their mind fixed upon the goal they keep their mind fixed upon the inheritance they keep their mind fixed upon the fact that this is but a moment this is temporary this is like a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes away, but there is something, this eternal weight of glory that is ahead for us, and it is, it is something that makes everything else seem like a light affliction. I, I think of the Apostle Paul in Acts 20 where he says, I'm, I'm going bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. Going, I'm going to Jerusalem. I don't know the things that are going to happen to me in Jerusalem when I get there. I've, I don't know. But I'm going bound in the Spirit. I'm going to Jerusalem. But the Holy Spirit did testify to me in every city saying that, that chains and tribulations await me. I'm going bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I do know the Holy Spirit's made very clear to me that there's going to be chains there, I'll be imprisoned, and there's going to be tribulation there. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I know that it's going to be there. And then he says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. It doesn't move me, I just want to, I want to finish my race with joy. This life that's but a vapor, this, this journey to my inheritance, although I know my carriage is going to be broken, it doesn't move me. It doesn't change the direction because I want to finish with joy. If I give up now or if I turn the other way or if I become bitter, then I've lost. It, it doesn't, It doesn't move me. I want to finish my race with joy. I want to finish the ministry that God's given me to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I just just want to finish it. You see where in Hebrews 10, there's God's talking to his people saying, in the early church, recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. For do you remember when you first became a Christian, you endured great struggles, sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. You, you've experienced incredible suffering. Sometimes for the sake of being a Christian, you did. Other times it was because you became companions with those that were treated that way. 
You, 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 you poured your life into somebody that was treated that way. For you had compassion on me and my chains, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. That's what made them do that. They, they joyfully accepted the plundering of their goods. Joyfully accepted it. Because they knew what was ahead of them. They knew what was in store for them. Just a few weeks ago, we prayed for the, our brothers and sisters in Lahore, Pakistan. Um, these Christians there, they, they had their, their homes burned. Um, all of their things were destroyed. I talked with the main contact that I had there when I would go there, and, and he said that they've lost everything. They're just, most of them are just living in little tents right now, but they, they lost all their clothing. They lost all of their possessions. And you look at it, and I, I think of those people who had so little to begin with. And for them, they have to just look and just think, it's temporary. We're, we're being hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Everything's coming in around us, but there is going to be a day when we will no longer be here. Not only that, but these people have a passion for the gospel and the proclamation of the gospel. They're looking at every opportunity that they can to bring the gospel to their brothers and sisters in Christ who, who they know that if caught proselytizing, they'd be put to death. And yet they just look, how can we proclaim the gospel Think of Moses where it tells us in Hebrews 11, by faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. He looked to the reward. Why would Moses do something like that? Why would Moses, who is the son of Pharaoh, leave and suffer affliction with the people of God instead of enjoying the passing pleasures of sin? Why would he look and say, it's more important to leave the comforts of everything that I have here in this palace and suffer affliction with the people of God? I'll leave, I'll go into the desert, I'll go where God calls me to go. Because I'll esteem the reproach of Christ greater riches than all the treasures of Egypt. I'd rather suffer reproach with Christ than enjoy all the passing pleasures of sin, all of the treasures of Egypt, because he looked to the reward. He was looking ahead to eternity. He was looking ahead to what God would have for him for all eternity. We have that. We look here in it. 
It tells us in our, in our text that, that if we're children, then we're heirs. Heirs of, of God. Joint heirs with Christ. If, if you're a child and you're an heir, you have this, this inheritance. There's this inheritance that's waiting for you. It's for all of us. It's not for some of the Christians. It's for all. If you are a child of God, then you have this inheritance. Christ told us, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecute the prophets who were before you. They're going to revile you. They're going to persecute you. Say all kinds of evil against you falsely, but rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Have joy, Christ was telling us. Have joy, have exceedingly great joy. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad because there is a reward for you in heaven. Keep your eyes fixed upon that. You see the apostles in Acts 5 where it tells us that they were beaten. They were beaten. They were commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. And and then they let them go. And it tells us that the disciples, that these apostles, departed from the presence of the council. But they departed rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. It's such a foreign thought to the world. But you see these apostles, and they're beaten. They just get, they get pummeled by these people. And they leave, and they're, they're rejoicing. And the things that they're rejoicing about, it, we're told specifically they rejoice rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. We, as Christians, are... We're persecuted from all different sides. These Christians that are in Lahore, Pakistan, persecuted for their faith. Christians all over the world where they experience incredible persecution for their faith in Christ. And yet when you have this this heavenly mindset of going to be with him, when you have a mindset that this is not what it's all about temporarily, the the being hard-pressed on every side, this isn't where it finishes, you're able to, to rejoice saying, I've been counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. It says, and, they, and daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. They just kept preaching. They never stopped. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy, and then they just kept preaching. So he tells us that we are if children, heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if, we, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. He's talking to a, a church that is suffering at that time. They're looking at it saying, okay, we're children. You've told us that we're children, but there's suffering that's coming in all around us. I mean, the church in Rome is that church in which later on they would have it be where they would be placed in the garden and lit on fire. 
lit on fire just to light up the garden. As the emperor rode through the garden on his chariot, naked. Just incredible perverse living, just incredible wickedness. And this is what's in store for these particular Christians. And he tells them, your children and your heirs, you have this inheritance and you will suffer. You're going to suffer with Christ. That we may also be glorified together, we are going to be glorified with him. It's this perspective of just looking at it saying, look to the reward. Always look to the reward. Look to what is ahead. Look to the inheritance. Look to the fact that this this is not where it ends. You're hard-pressed on every side, and yet it would be crazy to walk around saying, my carriage is broken, my carriage is broken. When you have this inheritance that's on the other side, you're almost there. You're almost there. It's an inheritance that's, we're told, has been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Jesus said, then the king will come and say to those on the right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. Inherited, it's this inheritance, this kingdom that's been prepared for you from the foundations of the world. Ephesians 1.11 says, In him you've also obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. You've obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the one who knew that that would happen. An inheritance. What does your inheritance look like? Well, we're told here that if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ... Our inheritance will be eternity with Christ in heaven. Joy, we're told in Scripture, that is inexpressible. It is full of glory. One of the most joyful things that you could ever have me do is to talk about heaven. I love talking about heaven. I love thinking about heaven. I love thinking about what is on the other side and what's in store for us. And yet... Every time I do, I realize that that I'm totally and completely unable to properly talk about it. I mean, when, when, you, when you hear God say things like, as, through his people that have been able to, to see that revelation as, as far as being like, it, it can't be described. It's like jewels. It can't be described. It, eye has not seen nor ear has heard. It's incomprehensible. And yet you, you, you hear God give us little taste of what it's like. Where he tells us things like where he'll, he'll say to his servants, well done, good and faithful servant, you were faithful over a few things. I'll make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Joy. You, you think of the most joyful moment you've ever had in this life. Jonathan and Natalie were asking, can we look at your wedding album? So we showed 
So we showed them the wedding album we're going through, and this was yesterday. Jonathan says to my wife, Tasha, Molly, what was your best day? Were you more happy the day you got married or the day that I was born? (laughs) It's a sneaky little guy. Um, But you think of joy in this life. Joy as you're at a place of just singing praises to your Savior. Joy as you're just thinking upon your salvation. Joy as you realize what it is that God has blessed you with. And you look and, and God tells us you will enter into the joy of the Lord. It's, it's a joy that is beyond anything that we could ever comprehend. And Psalm 1611 says, You show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In Psalm 21, verse 6, it says, He says, You have made me, or for you have made him most blessed forever. You have made him exceedingly glad with your presence. Being in the presence of God. Jude one twenty four. Now to him is able to keep you from stumbling. To present you faultless before the presence of his glory. With exceeding joy. We read that. But I'll tell you. There will be a time when you get to heaven. And all that we talked about. As far as entering into the joy of the Lord. The exceeding joy. The joy that's inexpressible, that's full of glory, these things that we've talked about, you will enter into heaven and you will experience joy that is something that you have never experienced here on this earth. You could take your happiest moment of your happiest day here on earth and every single nanosecond in heaven will be infinitely greater than the joy that we can experience here on earth. And it's the joy of the Lord. To be made like him, our inheritance, we don't have these corruptible bodies anymore, but we'll be raised in incorruption. No more pain, no more sadness, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more no more sin, no more temptation. In Psalm 17, 15, it says, as for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I, will, I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. Or 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he's revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. To be changed, raised in incorruption, to be able to have a glorified body in which it's radically different than what we have here on earth. You have an inheritance that's awaiting for you. It's awaiting you. And you're blessed in every way you possibly could be blessed. And the idea of never wishing that you had more. Total satisfaction. You see that in Ephesians, we're told, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 1.3. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. 
But even more so, you inherit God. I mean, it's all of the things are, are wonderful. Streets of gold, pearly gates, the throne, the rainbow around the throne, the trees that bear different fruit. Every month you, you, you look and you, you, you think of being reunited with your loved ones. You think of, you know, just talking with Pastor Bill last week, turned 92, and he just said, there's people who passed away 20 years ago, and I, I, I never thought I'd make it this long. But getting to a place where you know more people there than you know here, looking forward to, to being in his presence, then the, the, the knowledge that you inherit God. In Revelation 21, in verse 3, it says, John says, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. You will dwell with him. He will dwell with us. We will be his people. God himself will be with us, and he'll be our God. We inherit him. We inherit him. We spend eternity with him. Psalm 73, the psalmist says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon the earth I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart, and he's my portion forever. It's just nothing else matters except for him. I just want to spend time with him. I inherit God. We're looking forward in a couple weeks to going to Yosemite for a few days. We try to do this after tax season. <laughs> so I just I keep thinking about it, waking up and seeing like glory. And yet it's it's nothing in comparison to every moment in heaven of being in his presence. There's no need of the sun because he shines and the lamb is its light. The glory of eternity. Jeremiah said, the Lord is my portion. Says my soul, therefore I hope in him. He is what I inherit. Paul says in Ephesians 3.19, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that I may be filled with all the fullness of God. His love, it, it passes knowledge. I get filled with all the fullness of God. We inherit God. In Revelation 7, it tells us, we'll be before the throne of God and we'll serve him day and night in his temple. He who sits on the throne will dwell among them and there shall, they shall need their hunger anymore, nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor any heat. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne shall shepherd them and lead them to the fountain of waters and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You inherit God. You, you have him I mean, he's shepherding you. He's leading you. He wipes away every tear. And so it's an incredibly encouraging thing when we look at Romans 8 and we're told, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, joint heirs 
with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider the sufferings of this present time not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Every bit of suffering, brothers and sisters, that you can experience in this present time, every bit of suffering is not worthy to even be compared with the glory. Know that when you're in that time saying, my carriage is broken, my carriage is broken, you are less than a mile away from an inheritance. It's right around the corner. It's like a vapor. Your life appears for a little while and then it vanishes away and you will enter into glory. May that be something that just moves us. He wrote this to these Christians to encourage them. You're not only children, but you're heirs. You have an inheritance. You're heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. Sufferings of the world, it's not even worthy to be compared with that which is to follow. Beloved, John tells us now we are children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he's revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. The knowledge of this, the knowledge that, that you have this inheritance, it has a purifying effect on you because you look and you just say, like, I'll let goods and kindred go in this mortal life also. The body they may kill, but his truth abides still. His kingdom's forever. I, I'm looking to be on this. The pain and the suffering that we have here on earth. I mean, God tells us, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And my encouragement to us is may our hearts be there with him, knowing our position in Christ, knowing the inheritance that we have been given. And may it cause us to be purified, to change, to, to look and say, I don't know what's going to happen to me there. Chains and tribulations may await me, but it doesn't move me. I don't count my life dear to myself. I just, I just want to finish my race with joy. I want to walk that last mile, not saying, my carriage is broken, my carriage is broken, but walk that last mile just saying, there. I'm going to walk to that inheritance and I'm going to finish it with joy. I'm almost there. Let's finish well. Through Christ's enabling to his glory. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time in your word. Thank you for encouraging us in times of sorrow, in times where there's weights upon us, in times, in times where, where there's walls that are pressing in on us on every side. May we not treasure the things here on this earth, but treasure you. Treasure our inheritance that's in heaven. May our heart be with you in the things of your kingdom. May we joyfully accept the plundering of our goods because we're looking towards our reward. 
enable our minds to not be consumed with the here and now, with our carriage being broken, but help our minds to be fixed upon our inheritance, which is eternal joy in the presence of our Savior. We love you, Lord. We look forward to eternity with you. Enable us, Lord, by your grace to finish well. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.